Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. My choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Movie Crush. It's just another Mini Crush Monday. It's just another Mini <laughs> Monday. Oh, oh, oh. Why can't it be another day? Oh, oh, oh. Is that where you're going with that? No, you are the uh, sugar in my coffee. Oh, man. <laughs> nice work. I didn't I, know if you would uh, be hip to that. I had a cathartic experience last night, Chuck, and thank you for acknowledging my uh, my hipsterdom, my hiptum. I saw the Muppet movie for the first time in my oh, life. The original Muppet movie. And it was like pure joy. It just wow. made me feel I've, yeah. I've been whistling the Rainbow Connection all morning. Yeah. Great movie. Really good. I mean, imagine seeing it at whatever age I was, like nine. What year did that come out? 79, actually. All right. I was eight. And it was just like. Uh, it opened, and Josh and I talked about this on the, I believe, the Muppet or the Henson episode of Stuff You Should Know. But if you had only seen, like, Sesame Street and stuff like that, you had not seen the world opened up like this. And then that very first bit with Kermit in the boat, uh, he's like, opens up with him in a rowboat, right? Is that Dom DeLuise? Who, who, who is the guy that plays the agent? I swear it looked like him, but I don't remember seeing his name in the credits. I don't remember. With the gold tooth? He's the guy that's Boy. like, come to Hollywood. There's an audition being held for frogs. Oh, I don't remember. It very yeah, well might have been. I think been. it might have been. Because that was certainly the 
the peak Dom DeLuise time. Yep. <laughs> I met him once when I was a little kid. Really? Yep. He was out at uh, Stone Mountain Park, and we saw him walking around. And he was like, I believe, no, I'm positive. He was the very first famous person I'd ever met. And he signed a, an envelope for us and was really nice. And I just always thought that was kind of cool. Yes, I did confirm that. He is Bernie the Agent, the guy in the rowboat in, in the Muppet movie. That is I Dom need to see that again. It's been too long. Well, it's like the thing that was cool for me is I'd never seen it. And, and so all these cameos yeah. were just pure surprises to me. Oh, sure. And it's like Steve Martin plays the rude uh, waiter oh, yeah, at the yeah, lodge. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I took my kid and we just we, we laughed and laughed. Oh, was, that's, oh, did it play in the theater? Well, it, the, the Midtown Art Cinema, our local little uh, kind of art house theater, does a series every summer. And this one was movies about move, making movies. Uh-huh. And it was like stuff like Eight and a Half and right. like Day for Night, and then they tossed the Muppet movie in there because nice. it's totally a meta movie about making yeah. movies. And I never really thought about that. It's, it was a really clever choice, and the, the, guy did, awesome. the guy did a talk, and it was just great. What guy? His name is um, Eddie Von Mueller, and he is a uh, history, um, like animation historian at uh, Georgia State, gotcha. and he was actually heavily featured on the Cartoon Network uh, collaboration podcast we did with Holly Fry, uh, drawn the story of animation. Plot. Right. Uh, he was a big voice on that, just oh, as cool. far as like kind of an expert opinion. Full circle, no. That's what you call that. All right. So I think what we're going to do this week is... Uh, just do a couple of segments because I always feel bad that we – so many people leave such great comments and questions and we don't get to them. So we're going to do some tropes and some questions because, boy, the Movie Crushers tropes thread has exploded with close to 300 tropes. And I would say easily two-thirds of those are legitimate tropes, which is not bad, you know? No, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, that's – and I mean, I feel like we keep discovering new ones or variations on one we've discussed, but there's like the world of tropes is wide open, my friend. It is wide open. Oh, and you know, Josh and I actually yesterday we recorded a Stuff You Should Know episode on police lineups. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about all the lineup tropes. Of course. That uh, that you see in TV it, movies. It, it gets parodied a lot even, you yeah. know, where there's just like every person in the lineup is some stereotype of like a particular overblown, you know, caricature of right. a type of criminal, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. And there's something also called a show-up, which is easily, scientifically, the worst. It's not even a lineup. It's the, it's, but you've seen it in movies. It's when they bring you to a, if you're the, the victim of a crime, they bring you to a place, like, where they have just fingered the guy, and they, like, pull him out of the police car, handcuffed, and say, is, is this the dirtbag bag? Is this the guy? <laughs> is this the guy? <laughs> That's a real thing. It's called a show-up. Wow. And I'm like, man, there is no science to that at that all. That seems intense. You're also, like, probably, like, freshly upset, you know? Yeah, and they, and they pull someone out of a – so it's heavily weighted in your mind because they pull someone out of a police car in handcuffs. Yeah. So uh, they don't appear innocent in any way. No. Yes. Do they still do that, you think? Um, yeah. Wow. I bet they do. Law enforcement, man. It's got a long way to go. All right. So let's get down to business on some of these submitted tropes. Uh, all right. Chris, uh, Chris, Chris Walzak says, getting a vehicle or spaceship through a tight space by turning it on its side. Eh, I remember the old days, the big trick uh, in the 70s was uh, they would do that with cars and, the, and you would ride on two wheels. 
Like they would go off the ramp, you know, sure. only sideways. But I'm thinking like Millennium Falcon style, like flipping sure. sideways, going through the crevice in yeah, the Death yeah. Star and stuff like that. Absolutely. And th- I would argue that maybe that movie established that as like a super cool thing that then everyone wanted to kind of do. Yeah. So subsequent space movies kind of started doing that. Uh, you got to be the right shape, though. Millennium Falcon is built for that. That's know? true. I mean, the flatness of that ship made that possible. But then again, like design of space movies started mimicking Star. I mean, you know, it was it sure. was really like the big the big space movie. Yeah. Uh, Janet James Allman. This is a good one, Janet. She says, someone is about to make a confession when the door burst open. Uh, that happens all the time, either a love confession or really any kind of confession. Or you're about to kiss. I believe we mentioned that one, and you get interrupted every time. Of course. And they still do that. Like, because I guess it's a valuable device because it builds romantic tension, but it doesn't give you the release that you so crave. Right. It saves that for a little later. Do you crave release, Noel? I crave it daily. <laughs> Gross. Hey, now. Uh, let me see here. Clinton Barrett. This is a good one. Tapping a gauge in a desperate situation and then kicking the machine while saying, work, you infernal machine, or something along those lines. Are you damn thing? Yeah. Tapping the gauge is fun because it's, it's usually like that starts to get the gauge to read correctly. Oh, yeah. Right? That's all you is do. that the deal? Tap yeah. that shit. Uh, just tap it. <laughs> Man, did you hear any of the audio from that... Uh, the guy in Seattle who took the plane? I did. We did a, a little segment about it on stuff that I want you to know, actually. He, so he, fascinating yeah. to listen to that whole bit. It's like 12 minutes or so. Yeah, he, he says something like um, he knew how to deploy the landing gear. Just, just for anyone who didn't know, this guy in Seattle stole a plane. Um, he was a, like a worker, I believe, like on the, you know, the runways. The ground, yeah. yeah, and he stole a plane. And it's not clear entirely if it was with the intent to, to kill himself, but it was, it was definitely clear was it was with the intent to fly a plane. Right. And he knew how to do it well enough just from having played fight, flight simulators and video games and stuff. He flew that thing for a while. And he did, like, barrel rolls and stuff, and the guys on the ground that were talking to him were like, wow, I didn't think you were going to pull that one off. Yeah, <laughs> man. It's so sad to listen to, it though. Is. It's very heartbreaking. No, it is. He seems like a nice kid. He, yeah, but he kind of says some self-deprecatingly suicidal things. I know, you know? man. Yeah, Ugh, yeah anyway. Kind of painful. Sidetracking there, folks, but it made me think of tapping gauges because I bet he tapped a gauge or two. It's true. Let me see here. Uh, Athena Black says, I'm sitting here watching a movie and a classic classic trope just happened. The whole dramatically brush everything off the table trope. (laughs) Uh, It's usually spontaneous sex scene or a stressed out strategic explanation or some military world-saving maneuver. That's right. They they just need a, a clean surface on which to accomplish some important task. Like a sex scene. Yeah. Have you ever <laughs> a strategic military? No. Ever raked everything off of a table for a strategic military planning sesh? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Not to have sex. Not, not for sex though. No, I prefer a you know a cushion of some kind. Yeah. Who wants to have sex on a table? Just crazy people <laughs> in movies, Chuck. Uh, let me see here. Swimming for uh, Harvey Anthony Hook. I like the name Harvey. That's a good name. Yeah. Is it the imaginary bunny in that Jimmy Stewart movie? Yeah. You don't hear Harvey enough anymore. No, it's true. Uh, swimming for ages underwater on a single breath. Oh, boy. That's certainly the truth. Sometimes in movies like that, I will uh, I'll try and hold my breath mm-hmm. as they're doing it mm-hmm. just to see how you know long I can go. How long can you go, Chuck? Well, not very long. I used to, it used to be better. A minute? <laughs> well, when I was a lifeguard, I could swim a full lap down and about a half a lap back uh-huh. underwater. Okay. And this was a, you know, regulation um, – like swim meat pool. So that's about a minute and a half. Maybe. It was pretty good. It was pretty good, yeah. There's no way I could now. 
Well, me neither. But, the, but then in these movies, though, they go, not only do they not breathe, they're going crazy deep. And then by the time, like, they're running out of breath, and th- there's another trope, too. They're running out of breath, and they got a surface. And they're, like, you know, s- scrabbling to get to the surface. Yeah. And then the giant breath at the end of like relief. <gasps> yeah. Uh, that's, an, that's a part of that. That's a two-part trope. All that stuff makes me nervous. Me, too. Uh, okay. Jake Hale says, when blood is needed for some reason... And the character cut the palm of their hand. Uh, there are many other places to cut where it wouldn't be so debilitating. Okay. Oh, I think he's talking about maybe like a vampire scenario. You know, like an interview with a vampire. They they often like cut their hand or bite their wrist or something like that, you know. Okay. When, when has there ever been a moment in a movie where someone gave a legit blood transfusion using a cut on their own body? I don't, I don't think that's what he I don't means. think that's how it works. No. So when he says when blood is needed, what are we talking about here? I don't know. I, I was... I was going to think maybe Blood Brothers, but you've got to be the hand because yeah. you shake hands. I know. You well, never did that, did you? No. You ever Blood Brothers? I don't like cutting. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show. That's the thing I don't care for in movies. I don't like watching like, throats and... being slit or, yeah, or cuts. Yeah. I don't like it. Which is funny because I have uh, I've never broken a bone, but I've been stitched up probably one, two, three, four. I've been stitched up like five times in my life, but never broken a bone, including Noel. Here's a little something I don't know if anyone has ever heard. I almost bit my tongue off when I was like 10. What, were you just like surprised or something? No, I, I fell down playing oh, soccer. Oh, no. And uh, bit, you know, I think I got like eight stitches across my tongue. Jeez. Yeah, I've never had a stitch. Never broken a bone either. No, really? Mm-hmm. Never had a stitch? No, 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 not a stitch. Man, I cut my foot open. I cut my shin open. I cut my head open. I cut yeah. my tongue off. Almost. Man, dude. Rough, rough childhood there. And none of none of them were ever cuts, though. That, like uh, they were from you know, none of them were knife related. Yes, that's good. <laughs> then I'm okay with that. Uh, let me see here. Melissa Cooney, not Clooney, but Cooney, says character one finds out that character two hasn't had a certain food. Character two tries the food and is astounded because their life has been so bland without this wonder. Is that a trope? Yeah, I'm not sure. Or has that happened once? <laughs> well, that's the problem with some of these is like they, they, they seem so iconic, but then if you really look back through the, the fossil record that is movies, you might only find one instance of it. But, you know, we're not, we're not forensically researching these. We're just kind of like rattling them off. So it's possible that some of these quote-unquote tropes may have only happened once or twice. Right. If it's twice, is it a trope? How, how many times does it take to make a trope? Oh. Five? Jeez. Yeah, more. At least. At least. Okay. Yeah. Like, I think a trope has to be in five movies a year. I I think that, yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, Jameson Owsley, why can't anyone in a movie use a blender without sending its contents all over the kitchen? Okay. I suppose that's happened. It's a good sight (laughs) gag. Uh, Bill G says, man or woman who works too much and is first introduced uh, while on his or her cell phone. Sure. Phones are overused in movies, I think, for different things. Yeah. For some reason, I'm picturing um, Jim Carrey and Liar Liar. You know, he's he's like the, the overworked, aggressive lawyer dad, you know, who get, yeah. has to get his comeuppance and become a good guy. So he's always on the phone ignoring, you know, his familial duties. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Samantha Rossetti. She says uh, when a character is shot, they think they're dead, but they have something uh, tucked away in their shirt pocket that has prevented the bullet. 
That's a classic one. I think we talked about this. Wait. No, I know what it was. It was in an episode of Ridiculous History where uh, we were talking about this guy who was a um, a Korean soldier who ended up being conscripted by, like, the Japanese army, the German army, and the American army. But in that story, there was a side story about the guy – who played Scotty on Star Trek. Uh Um, He was in World War II, and he got shot, and a cigarette case saved his life. So that really happened. It was a real-life thing that that certainly is is all over the movies. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely seen cigarette cases. Yep. Yeah, or, nice. or a Zippo, or or some special keepsake that yeah. someone has just recently given you too. That's oh, that's a sure. big one. That's a good one. Oh, okay. that that always happens. Like if someone, it's sort of like if you see the gun in the first act, it has to go off in the third. If someone gives you a hard metal case in the first act, yep. it will save your life in yep. the third. Chekhov's case is what they call that. Really? No. Well, Chekhov's gun is the oh. gun thing. <laughs> okay. It's like if you know if the, the gun that's displayed on the mantle, it's yeah. eventually going to be used right. in some. Scene. That's sure. Chekhov's gun, yeah. Uh, Audrey Brotzman. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, when someone, when a few people are having a discussion and two of them step away to have the private discussion, it's always like five feet from the other person. Totally. And it's like, dude, they can totally hear you. Absolutely. Well, it, just, it, always, it all goes back to like the Shakespearean aside, you know? Oh, probably right. I, I think it may be. It's just like the idea that it's, it's suspending disbelief, you know? No, you are bringing tremendous insight today, sir. Hey, do my best. Because <laughs> we didn't do bong hits. Uh, Peter Griffin. Ah, Peter Griffin. <laughs> hey, it's me, Peter Griffin from Co- Cohog. <laughs> Knocking a rider off a motorcycle to steal it, pick up the bike, then proceeds to immediately do a wheelie as he drives away. Yeah. That was pretty bad, Peter Griffin. That was fine, man. <laughs> Peter Griffin's already like a bad impression of a guy from... Where are they from? Uh, I think it's like, like Rhode Island. Rhode Island, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like that Chappaquiddick kind of yeah. Kennedy accent, you know? Yeah. Maybe I should have done Cleveland. That wasn't bad, Cleveland. Cleveland's too. good. <laughs> I like that voice. I just I saw that movie Chappaquiddick, by the way, on a plane the other day. We interviewed the director on stuff they don't want you to know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't there that day, but did you uh, get to see the movie? I did. Yeah, we saw a screener of it. I thought oh, it was really was good. good. It was good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It had a I mean it had a bit of a movie of the week quality. But uh, a really good movie of the week. Absolutely. No, I, I thought the same thing, but, like, it definitely, like, what, Ed Helms is in it, and he's yeah, great. Yeah, he's and, great. Uh, the guy that plays Kennedy is is fantastic, and uh-huh. uh, his, his girlfriend. I quite enjoyed and, it. Yeah, no, it's, if anyone hasn't seen that one. It didn't really make the rounds in a big way. I, I, no, it, it was kind of under the radar, I thought it? it was quite good, though. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Boy, I loved seeing Ed Helms do a, a drama like that. He was great. Mm-hmm. John uh, Taylor Wesley. Yeah, this is a good one, boy. And this is in almost every Western ever. A guy goes to a bar and just waves at the bartender, and the bartender just serves a drink, some whatever drink. Well, I mean, it's kind of like saying uh, beer. That's true. Like who does that? I, I will say this though. I, I have a, a two neighborhood bars at which I am a regular, and they definitely know my drink, and they don't have to ask me. All right, I'm going to guess. This is a game called Guess Knowles Bar. Huh. Um, I know where you live. You still live in the same place? Well, I, I, I will give you a clue. They are more in relation to here, where we are now, than, ah. than, my, than my home. Okay. We should make it even easier. Uh, well, I'm going to go with one right in this very building then and say the Mercury. No, that's too fancy for me. Okay. I, I, I would go there if someone else is paying. Um, geez, what bars are around here? The Righteous Room? Yeah, the Righteous Room. Really? Uh-huh, that's my spot, and the Local is my spot. Okay. So shout out to Righteous Room and Local. 
Local, I remember, had good French fries. They have really good chicken wings, really good uh, smoked wings. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, the you, local. Let, me, let me take you to the local sometime, Chuck. You know, Noel, you're, you're, I, I know, I know, you I know you're a family man, and I know you got stuff going on, but one day, <laughs> let's do a round after I, work. I still like to drink. Well, I know that, Chuck, but I'm just saying we keep different, slightly different hours no, in terms of sure. our, our office comings and goings. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would do that. So for a lot sure. of times, I'll, you know, I'll go with Ben from stuff that I don't want you to know, and other folks around the office, and we'll go, you know, tie one on after work, so. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, if Ben stays at home, I'll go with you. <laughs> um, I remember when the Righteous Room opened, by the way. That's how long, I have, that's how long I've been around. Uh, it was, to me, I still think of it as one of the new bars. I think it says on the sign. But like it's established for a while now. 1998 or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that was a new bar. Like when I first started going there, I was like, whoa, the Righteous Room. Mm-hmm. Like all the other bars have been here for 40 years, and this yep. one's brand new. Yeah, no, I like it. It's my cheers. Well, and it's right, for those of you who don't know Atlanta, we have a very classic movie theater uh, from the 19, geez, when was the plaza built? Oh, it had to be the 40s 40s? Or 50s? Yeah. 20s, yeah. 30s? I'm, I'm bad, at, <laughs> bad at time math. Um, but there's also a really cool old diner right next to it called the Majestic, and they clearly yeah. are of the same era. Yeah, it's a very kind of throwback part of Atlanta, and the plaza theater is owned, I believe, by a couple who uh, lovingly sort of restored it to a classic movie house. And they show some really good films there. And uh, that, that's where you're going to see like your Rocky Horrors and The Room and stuff like that mm-hmm. late night. Um, but they program great movies. And The Righteous Room is right next door in this little shopping center. So you can go have a beer at The Righteous Room or whatever you please and then uh, saunter right next door and go to see a movie. They serve booze at the movie theater too. They do. So you can just keep boozing it up all night long. All night long. And then call a lift because you shouldn't drive drunk. Also true. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bear Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. 
Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. All right, a couple more tropes here. Uh, David Carroll, he has a couple of them. I'll go ahead and read both. High school jocks are all violent bullies uh, who would never respect women or be friends with non-jocks. Sure, that's a jock trope. And then stepdads are evil. Yeah, I mean, stepdads are so evil in movies. They they had a horror movie called The Stepfather, and I believe they even remade that horror movie. Oh, I remember The Stepfather. Yeah. The guy from Lost was The Stepfather. He totally was. That was uh, a scary movie. Locke, John Locke from Lost was yeah. The Stepfather. That's right. Yeah, I bet it doesn't hold up if we watch it now. Mm, probably not. But th- there was a golden time for those kind of family drama type horror movies. Remember The Good Son? With uh, yeah. Macaulay Culkin, where he was, was well, he, he, he was like the evil stepson. Yeah, yeah. Or, or no, that's not true. Elijah Wood was the stepson. He was the son, and he was he was a bad bad dude. Wait, um, so who was the good son? Well, the good son was Elijah Wood, but I think it was sort of meant to be ironic because the the mother <laughs> thought that Macaulay Culkin was the good son, and he sort of blamed everything on Elijah Wood. Gotcha. But in fact, Macaulay Culkin was a little devil spawn. And speaking of Culkin, have you seen um, um, Succession yet on HBO? No, it is. Awesome. Really? Oh yeah. It's like a it's about like a Rupert Murdoch esque family and like of the idea of like who's gonna inherit who's gonna run the company and um, Brian Cox is in it who played Hannibal in the uh, original oh, Man yeah, Manhunter. Man. I, I love that. And Karen Culkin is in it. And it's it's written by the guy who wrote um he's got something to do with that director uh, Inucci, who did um, Death of Stalin and oh, yeah, Veep yeah. and all that stuff, uh-huh. and this guy, man, it's so good. I watched two episodes last night and I was just like hooked. So all right, big, I'll check it big, out. Big wreck. See, look, we're doing recommendations too, everybody. Uh, speaking of recommendations, we also have merch now. By the way, you can get a couple of Movie Crush shirts if you want. Yeah, I think it's uh, tpublic.com/slash/moviecrush. Yeah, why not? Right. All right, we're going to finish here with some questions. Uh, these are, uh, you know, always ask for movie questions or just questions for Noel and I. And, uh, or for me and Noel. Isn't that how you say it? You know, I'm, I'm still not sure. <laughs> um, let me see here. All right. Ralph Spradley has this question for us, Noel. Bit of a thought experiment. Pick the war film that you, if you were fighting in a war and living it out, you would like or dislike the least to be in? Well, I just saw Platoon for this very show, again, for the gazillionth time. And that movie does a great, great job of uh, really driving home how little you would have wanted to be in the Vietnam War. Wet, insect-ridden, uh, utterly frightening, chaotic uh I mean, obviously, like the D-Day invasion and Mm -hmm. Private Ryan, like war is war. But I would say the Vietnam War probably for me. 
Are we talking about a particular movie or uh, yeah, like pick a war film and like what what war in that film like as portrayed would you be like nope? Oh, fuck the, that. well, yeah, I mean, like with the World War Two and or world, you know the first two World Wars, there's a lot of that trench warfare. It was a lot more um, kind of. What's the word I'm looking for? Like kind of blunt instrument warfare where it was a lot more like scrapping in the trenches and stuff like that. You yeah, know, like you might get bayoneted. You might get bayoneted and that's terrifying in its own right. But the thing about Vietnam, I think, is at least that's depicted in movies like The Deer Hunter and um, Apocalypse Now is sort of the psychological toll of it yeah. and the idea of it being kind of like a hopeless, pointless war yeah. where you're literally burning villages and women and children and the way you see Ugh. people that are like your former buddies kind of losing their minds yeah. and, you know, becoming, like, the thing that they you most kind of hate and fear. Yeah. You know, that that's the thing that is interesting to me about Vietnam. Interesting. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bruce Olson says this, and I kind of agree with Bruce here, how come there are no more quotable lines from movies anymore? Feels like when I grew up in the 70s and 80s, almost every hit film had at least one line you would hear people saying all the time. Uh, well, I don't have an answer for that, Bruce, um, but I think I kind of agree. Um I'm sure there are some quotable lines, but even like a movie like – I know we we talk about The Hangover, uh, not a lot, but a few times in here. And that's a good example of just a huge, big monster comedy hit. And I don't – I can't think of a line from The Hangover that's super quotable. Hey, it's The Hangover. You know? Can you, I mean, no. are there any big iconic lines? Absolutely not. I mean, no. often I will say the funny line for me – I will say this a lot around the house is uh, with me and Emily and Ruby is we're the three best friends that anyone could have. That's good. That's good. <laughs> but, but that's no, not some iconic it line. It did not invade the the mind of, of the zeitgeist. No, no not, not sure. like a show me the money or something like that. Yeah, or even like, you know, Big Lebowski, you know, which which just was a, more of a sleeper hit. Uh, that's probably more quotable. Than, the Dude uh, Abides. The maybe Dude Abides. We believe in nothing, Lebowski. Yeah. We cut off your Johnson. Oh, that's not That's fairly cool. Maybe, maybe, cool maybe I'm just into it. Sometimes you eat the bar. Sometimes the bar eats you. Yeah, I'd mm-hmm. say that counts as mm-hmm. a quotable movie. But there aren't a min- there aren't a ton of those anymore. Mm-hmm. I agree. I am I am super on board with that notion. Uh, Duncan Creamer says, "Do you ever watch a movie in bits and spurts?" Uh, yeah. There there are movies where I feel like I have seen. Almost all of the movie, but only in bits and spurts. And it's a, it's a movie, you know, always that I don't truly, truly care about seeing. You know, for me, it's two. Mm-hmm. It's The Goonies ah. and A Christmas Story. Ah. And I'll tell you why. It's because they get played on TV so much that over, especially A Christmas Story. You know how every Christmas they play A Christmas Story, or maybe for years at least, on TBS here mm-hmm. around Atlanta. I guess around the world. They used to play A Christmas Story for 24 hours. Oh, yeah, sure. I think they still do. They probably still do. But that's how I saw the A Christmas Story. Yeah, so, so I'd tune in and I'd sure. see it in reverse order. I'm <laughs> right. still not quite sure the chronology of events in that movie. Yeah, yeah. And similar with The Goonies, although I did watch it in one sitting with my kid recently, and I enjoyed it very much. But for a long time, I'd never seen it from front to back. I'd just seen little snippets of it on TV. Yeah, and you know what? Going back to the quotable lines thing, I wonder if there's anything to lines being more quotable when you're younger. Like I wonder if we were to ask a – uh, a 20-year-old 20, 20 today about quotable lines from movies and they would be able to fire off 10 of them from the past five years. I wonder if that's a young young man's game. I guess so, but I don't really think so because it's just, like you say, it's just not, I don't 
maybe it's maybe it's a different intent that goes into making the movies. Maybe that's more of an old fashioned kind of way of making movies. But it's like you think of uh, Jurassic Park, even like you know, clever girl, and they do move in herds, and even things like that, which seem kind yeah. of innocuous. They, those those were pretty pretty quotable. Agreed. You got to wonder if the filmmakers like I want this to be super quotable. Yeah, or like when the screenwriter writes a line, they're like, "Oh yeah, this uh-huh. this is going to be yep. one of those lines." Mm-hmm. Maybe you shouldn't try to write that way, though. That's it doesn't bad. seem like you should. No, it seems like that would be very forced. Kevin Harris says, "You know how George Lucas went back and changed Star Wars movies, uh, including new scenes. I'm not a fan of what he did, but I do like the idea for less popular movies instead of remakes." I think studios should commission a different director to go back and fix movies that flopped. Well, Kevin, I do not agree at all with that statement. Uh, I see where you're going, and I respect your opinion, sir. But uh, I don't like the idea of going back and trying to fix a movie. I don't see the point. You release it out there in the world. That's your best effort. Just let it be is what I say. Uh, let's do a couple more here. Uh, Joe Smith says, what is a movie you enjoy that really isn't very good, but you enjoy it because you love the source material so much? Uh, for me, it was Constantine. That is Joe Smith. You know what comes to mind is uh, the Watchmen movie. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, even though I the source material just is so much greater than the, than the movie ended up being. But I think we were maybe on slightly different sides of that argument. You, you, enjoyed, the, you enjoyed the movie quite a lot, right? Well, no, I don't think it was that great. Okay, I kind of liked it, but I think I think it qualifies for his question because I I loved the graphic novel so much. So you're saying you think it made made you give a move the movie a pass a little bit, or? a little bit more of uh-huh. a pass. I was so ready to love the Watchmen mm-hmm. movie, and I think they did a good job in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, in the end, it just. I don't know. It's well, tough. They didn't have the giant squid attacking the city. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, come on. that's right. You know, it just got greenlit for a series on HBO. Yeah, they just shot that here in Atlanta. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yes, sir. So you've been knowing about this for a minute, and you were holding out on me, Chuck? I have known about this for a minute. I had friends that worked on it. I think the thing with me and Watchmen is the book is so good that I think I was prepared for the movie to not be good, and it was actually a little better than I expected it to be, but still not as good as, as, as the, the, the book. Yeah, I hear you. Such a good graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And I don't read graphic novels. That's one of the few I've read. It's, it's, it's the one. I yeah. mean, if you're going to read one, that's definitely one of them. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. 
That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bare Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. And all right, let's finish up with this. Uh, Tim Vandenhoek says, Chuck, on your other show, I suppose he's talking about stuff you should know, you mentioned you have a list, a club, a selection of directors who have never made a bad movie. Yeah, the 100% Club. I've talked about it before. Cool. Uh, he said, I remember Sofia Coppola on the list. I think that I made that statement before I saw uh, her most recent one. The, uh, what was the, it called? Oh, it was the one. Uh, it, was, it was a remake of the movie that had Clint Eastwood in it as the, uh, the, the wounded Civil War soldier who's taken in by a, uh, by a house full of women. Uh, and... It was okay. The Beguiled. Yeah, The Beguiled. It was all right. But that definitely dinged her armor a little bit for me. Uh, otherwise, I think Sofia Coppola has made pretty much great movies. I think Wes Anderson is in that group. I've talked about the Coen brothers um, with a slight ding on the uh, the Tom Hanks movie. That I didn't think was great. The Lady Killers? Yeah. Did you like that? I mean, it's fun. If you watch it again and don't, like, try to hold it up to the Coen Brothers canon, it's right. a fun little movie. Yeah. So, like, their worst movie is probably that movie, and it's not that bad. Yeah. So yeah. They're, they're in that group. And, of course, Alexander Payne to me, absolutely 100% club, P.T. Anderson. Um, and he says, how would you rate David Fincher? He said, aside from Alien 3, which is probably beyond his control, his worst film is probably Panic Room which is still pretty good. Uh, you know what? I'm going to put Fincher up there for sure. As I look through his repertoire, uh, Gone Girl I thought was really good. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo was great. Social Network was great. Oh, you know what? Benjamin Button, I didn't I didn't really like that movie that much. No. That was a... So he's, he's not a 100% club. We talked about this the other day because that was one of those movies that got passed around to a bunch of different directors, I think. And Oh, uh, uh, really? Uh, yeah, I remember that segment we did oh, a right, couple, right. couple weeks ago Yeah, about um, movies that were... Tag teams? Sla- yeah, well, they were, no, they, 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 just they were offered to people and then passed. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I, think, famous. I think Benjamin Button was one that like almost all of the big directors on the list That's kind of right. had been offered at some point and, and yeah. ultimately Fincher got it, which I thought was an odd choice considering that it wasn't really like anything else he'd done, and it also wasn't particularly good. Yeah. 
That's the, my only ding in his armor, though, because Zodiac is a masterpiece to me. I agree. Uh, I did like Panic Room. I thought it was pretty good. Fight Club, of course, is great. Uh, the game, very, very good movie. Yeah, people, people. I think we've talked about this. People rag on Fight Club that it does, doesn't hold up, and I, I, I would beg to differ. I think it's a, I it's think a movie it's, for its time. I think in it a was way. a movie for its time, and it certainly showcases a lot of toxic masculinity that's very much not. Uh, in vogue right now, but right. I think that it knows it's that's on. what it's doing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Seven, great movie. Uh, Alien Three, again, not great, but uh, our 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 listener here gives that one a pass. And then, boy, he did a lot of Paul Abdul videos. <laughs> Looking at his list, he did a lot of Madonna videos too. Yeah, he. I didn't realize this. He he did. I mean, he goes back to the '80s with Rick Springfield videos. For Christ's sake. Uh, but yeah, Fincher overall, I, I give him, and I enjoyed uh, the Mindhunter TV series. Did not watch House of Cards. Did you watch that? No, I didn't. And you know what? I really liked Mindhunter, and I watched at least the first three episodes, but for some reason I did not continue. And that happens to me from time to time. With and what, it, Mindhunter? Mindhunter. And it's not a ding on the show necessarily. I think it's just like a testament to the clutter that is my mind. Yeah. And sometimes I just kind of like fall off of things. Well, or, so or much stuff replaced, out there. It's you hard. know. But I really did like Mindhunter. I thought it was more understated than I was expecting it to be. It kind of was like a TV show version of Zodiac in some ways in terms of like the tone. and They you totally know. set it up to where you think like, oh, man, this is a serial killer show. And it, it is not as thrilling as that. It's a much more uh, cerebral uh, show about this, this dude, this, this Mindhunter detective. I like it. I can't wait for season two. I'll finish it. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to finish up with that, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Your homework for this week. We continue with the Friends and Family editions with my uh, very good pal that you heard on the pre-Oscar special. Uh, I think it was the pre with my friend Scott Ippolito. He is a, a director of photography and a camera operator, and he also writes on the side. Scotty and I have, have written things together as as screenwriting partners, and he is an old old friend and one of my. Uh, one of my besties, one of my brothers, and he chose Close Encounters of the Third Kind as his favorite film. He he tossed around some really good ideas from E.T. to uh, Chinatown, which was nabbed by our mutual buddy from last week, Chad Crowley. Uh, so he went with Close Encounters. I can't wait. I'm going to watch it this weekend. And Scott and I are going to sit down and talk next week. And uh, we're going to keep doing some more friends and family. I'm going to get Noel and Emily in here and maybe even my brother if he agrees. And uh, so look forward to those. We're going to intersperse those uh, along with the regular guests that we're going to book. And uh, I hope that's okay with you guys. I think it's kind of fun. So thanks for listening. And until next week, Noel, you want to say good night? Oh, man, I guess I'll do it. It's not really nighttime, though. It's pretty early still. But good day. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. 
Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places.